You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. Well, sometimes we change our proximity a little bit so that we meet some unusual people. And so Eltham Eltham Baptist Church um, commissioned a team of 15 of us, I believe, in the end. uh, and, And we all made our own way via... Well, various various routes. I think the most interesting one was from Michelle Stanhope. Is, is, she, is, she, is she with us somewhere? Yes, Michelle. Ask her um, uh, about her future as a travel agent and, and uh, the sorts of flights that she could find for you. I uh, took her through um, Thailand and uh, Russia and, and uh, Croatia and then um, and finally to Greece as well. Um, but um, we went by different ways and found ourselves downtown Athens in a, in a place that is familiar to some of you who have been on one of these trips, the, the Titania Hotel. And in the lobby of the Titania is this, this atrium and, and up there is a very long board table and as we sat down again with the team that was there, um, minus, minus two, Max and Liza were still making their way from Austria, but as we sat down there I looked around the table once more and, and, and thought, praise God, thank you Lord for the team that you have assembled for, for this particular trip here in 2016. And very shortly, I'm going to invite them to come up and, and share some stories. It's not really their stories, though. It's really God's story, of which we happen to be witnesses to. And that's what we really want to do tonight, is, is share what we observed um, God doing um, in and through us whilst we're away. And we're, our prayer is that you will, you will connect some dots about your own your own witness here in Australia as well, and you'll kind of you'll kind of think to yourself, yeah, actually, I've experienced that. Here I am in, you know, on on mission with God here in Australia, Melbourne, um, all the outer suburbs, and and here I am on mission with God. And yes, what you say rings true. I I do believe I have experienced God in the same way. And as we share these stories, inevitably what seems to happen is that we get built up in the faith, and that's what we want to do. We want to edify one another, we want to build one another up in the faith, and we want to be reminded of the goodness of God, that he would include us in his mission and empower us to join him and play a, play a vital role. So whether that's here or there, we praise God. Um, it's it's his, his mission in each case. Well, to give you just a, a little bit of a snapshot of what we got up to, I believe um, the guys have a, have a video for us. Is that ready to go, Mark? Yep, we think so. All right, let's, let's give that a, a shot if we can. And, and uh, here's, here's OJ 2016 in a nutshell. Wow. You see how intense it was with that music constantly in the background as we went around handing out Bibles? Um, that's not easy. Sorry? Yes, yeah, yeah. Actually, that little black car that it showed going, um, uh, what, what do they call that? Not, not slow, slow, uh, slow motion, is it? Or anyway, the way they came, came around, that, that was our car. Yes, yeah. No, it, we uh, stuck, stuck pretty much to the speed limit. Um, I'd like to invite um, to, we're going to, going to share in three, three little brackets and, and three people at a time. I'd like to invite um, um, Cam and uh, Jordan and uh, I don't know, if, I don't think, um, yeah, Lindsay, by the way, sends her apologies. She's, she's not feeling, feeling very well. Um, and uh, Bron, um, so uh, Cam Jordan and Bron, would you like to, would you like to come up and, and uh, yeah, give them a round of applause. <laughs> we uh, appreciate them sharing with us. Um, why, don't, why don't we go in that order? Cam, Cam Jordan, Bron, is that all right? There we go, buddy. Just put you on the put you on the spot there. All right. Um, when we met up together as a team on Thursday, we were asked to share something that we found, something that we've learned on the trip, or something along those lines. And um, one thing was uh, I said uh, I gave a story from the time that we had, and the story was that. Um, as I was going around with, with one of the other team members um, from the team I was on to hand out Bibles, we, um, yeah, we were trying to do it as, as, as efficiently and as quickly as possible because the, the aim of the, the, the day that was that we would cover this whole town 
um, as quickly as we can before the authorities caught on to what we were doing. Hmm. So, um, not that it was illegal, but um, so, so we went around and, and one of the most efficient ways to hand out Bibles is to go to apartment buildings because it's a lot of people living very close by and it's easy to go up and down the apartment building and just give Bibles around to everyone. But the issue was that most of these apartment buildings had two occupants um, out of maybe 10 apartments, um, which, was, which was not great. But you know, nonetheless, we, we handed out Bibles there and, and we came to this one apartment building that had the full 20 occupants, 20 people in the one apartment building. We're like, yes, this is easy. Um, but the issue is, uh, the issue is that um, the door to the building was locked. So we had, we, you know, we went around handing more Bibles, and then we came back. And as we were coming back, we saw someone coming out of the apartment building. So we kind of just held the door um, to to go in. And as we were going in, we kind of realized we had four Bibles between the two of us, which was very unfortunate. Um, so, I mean, our option was to leave the door and it would be locked again and go find the van to get more Bibles or to kind of just suspiciously wait around at this door to, to, for the van to come around to us, which was not practical. So um, we let the door go and, and we decided, well, you know what, this is, this is God's mission after all. So why don't we pray to God that he would... Um, kind of do something about this that you know these people in the apartment building it, it'd be good for them all to have a Bible and one of the issues is that we didn't want to leave Bible like we could leave Bibles um, just at the entrance to this place but if if one occupant found them and didn't like them they would just kind of make an executive decision for everyone else and just throw them all away um, so we prayed about it and we got more Bibles and fair enough the, the, the door was locked and it was kind of disappointing, but we were like, well, God is still in control. So we went around handing out more Bibles, and we, the, we'd finished. We were going home, and as we were, we were leaving, we said, well, let's stop by this place one last time, and we did. And um, as, as we approached, these two people pulled up in a car and parked their car, and they were going into that building. So, so we, we kind of, as best we could without raising any suspicion, we kind of just tried to follow them in. Didn't work. Um, they, they, you know, they saw us with these bags of stuff in them, and they said, you know, the interrogation started. Who are you? Where are you from? You know, what are you doing? And he said, you know, in our very broken Greek, we have Bibles for you. And they, they kind of took them and they, they looked at them and, you know, examined them. And, and it was just like, are these for us? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's a gift for you. And they said, these are the ones on your arm. Are they for everyone else? We're like, yes. Can we go up and hand them? They're like. No, don't worry. We'll we'll take them all for you, and we'll give one to each and every occupant in this building. You know, it goes to show that it's not in our own strength that we were doing this, but this is God's mission. Yeah. G'day. Um, just a quick story. One of the days we were delivering Bibles, we did what we called a blitz on a town, whereas the all the OJ team, so like all of the 400 plus people that were participating went and delivered Bible to this town. Um, and and the idea is sort of just like to get in and get out pretty quickly. Um, anyway, we'd, we'd done, finished for the day and we were just heading out. And on our way out, we saw like a young boy was walking along, taking the Bibles off the, the fences and like the doors of people's houses. And when he got to the end of the street, he chucked them all in a dumpster. Uh, so we sort of, like we were meant to be leaving, but we we're like, oh, we'll, we'll stop and wait till he leaves. Waited till he left, and then we went and got all the Bibles out, and then just went and like put them all back on the houses. And there was this old man just um, up on his balcony, like up on the next door of his house, and like he called me over, and then went over and he like threw a rope down with a hook on it, and uh, <laughs> so I hooked a Bible on it and then passed it up to him, and he's like had a read of it and he's like, oh, this is Bible. He's obviously he said it in Greek, I don't know what he was saying, but he was really excited. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really gets that Aussie fair go for all thing when they don't even give people an opportunity to read the Bible for themselves. So we weren't gonna be, we weren't gonna let them get away with that. <laughs> we went dumpster diving. Um, Galispera. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> um, 
when we were um, in Greece, we had the opportunity to go into a couple of Orthodox churches, um, one up in a, a village, and then when we were on the island of Idra, I went into another one. Very, very different from here. I don't have you ever been in a really traditional Orthodox church? <laughs> yeah. They're quite amazing. They're built in the shape of a cross. Um, when you go in, they're very usually very ornate, ornate with arch ceilings and a lot of money generally spent on them and, and their upkeep. They don't have, um, very often they don't have pews as such, but they do have kind of these seats with a very narrow bit you sit on all around the edges, which is apparently for the people who sing or chant the prayer bits. Right in the middle they have a spiral staircase that goes up really high and that's, um, we think it's where they, they read the, the lecturny thing. Um, and then on the ground level there's like a throne, which is where the priest sits. At the very front there are these paintings set in gold and silver all the way across behind glass. Incredibly, incredibly value, valuable pieces. Um, there's one particular saint that you'll see little icons um, attached to it with body parts um, and, and people will get these made if they're ill and they'll get the body part made so if they've got a sore foot they'll get a foot one and then they'll kind of pin it to that saint. They'll be made out of gold or silver, incredibly expensive. So there's one saint you'll often see kind of covered in these little um, tokens, what do you call those things? Um, at any rate, it's a, a desire to be well. So God's kind of on a painting set in silver and gold behind glass. What the church we went into, Idra, also had a, um, a case with bone bits in it and um, set in gold and uh, one was bits of a hand and bits of a foot and um, there's a whole case of them actually. And just FYI, if bones aren't in the sun, they don't go white, they kind of go this really browny, black, disgusting, festy looking colour. Um, and there's just this sense of, of God being unattainable, God being behind. It's almost like looking at a book and only being able to see the cover. The priests believe that only the enlightened should read the scriptures. Every Sunday they don't actually necessarily read the Bible, they, they have a kind of book of prayers or liturgy that they follow and they're not allowed to go outside of it. They'll spend at least 20 minutes on the saint that that church is dedicated to and then there'll be other bits. So it's kind of like they believe in God. They really, most people do in Greece believe in God, but all they get to see is the, the outside of the cover. And it's really special when you take a Bible to people, we, you get... Um, reactions from every end of the spectrum. Um, a lot of people hold it to their chest and pat it, you know. And it's our prayer that they'll take it home and God will get from being unreachable behind a glass thing in something that's dead and become something that's alive um, for these people. And with Greece, I really think the harvest is ripe, yeah. I wanted to read you, the reason why I shared that story, it's a bit of an odd one, it's not kind of what happened, was I was reading this morning, um, it's from my read through the Bible and I'm in Deuteronomy still, which kind of is a bit telling, isn't it? <laughs> I heard that, Andrea. <laughs> I'll get there. You saw no form of any kind the day the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully so that you do not become corrupt and make for yourselves an idol, an image of any shape, whether formed like a man or a woman or like an animal on earth or any bird that flies in the air or like any creature that moves along the ground or any fish in the waters below. And when you look up to the sky and see the sun, the moon and the stars and all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshipping things the Lord your God has apportioned to all the nations under heaven. But as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron smelting furnace, that's what he made, out of Egypt to be the people of his inheritance you now are. And it goes on to say later in that chapter, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If you seek him with all your heart, 
and with all your soul. When you are in distress and all these things have happened to you, then in the later days you will return to the Lord your God and obey him. For the Lord your God is merciful. God, he's a merciful God and he will not abandon or destroy you or forget the covenant with your ancestors which he confirmed to them by oath. So it's my prayer that Greece will seek God and in his mercy I know they'll find him. The order doesn't matter too much, but Jade, why did you? Ladies first. <laughs> All right. Um, so, I was um, I was there a couple of weeks before the rest of the team working with Hellenic Ministries, um, and just helping with a lot of the like planning aspect of OJ, and. Um, so I spent two weeks helping plan the accommodation for Operation Joshua, and um, and then the day before uh, the camp was uh, going to start, the police decided to. So we normally house everyone at OJ in tents, um, just for like cost effectiveness, and it means they all get to stay on site. And um, there was about 400 participants coming this year, so. Didn't have to put 400 people in tents, but it was, it was still a fairly high number, like maybe 350, 250. It was, it was high. <laughs> and uh, basically, basically, the police came and, you know, we just started setting up the tents and everything, and they were all like, oh, actually, you don't have a permit to set up any tents here, so you will be sued if you set up tents for a few million dollars and that type of thing, and probably a few million euros actually and we were like hmm well let's not do that so with one day to go i'm trying to like think about the accommodation and where we could put 350 people and um but i felt very like at peace about it very much like you know what if anyone's going to get blamed it'll be jonathan mccrease so i'm okay <laughs> um so basically we drove around for a day just looking at other campsites, trying to find somewhere that might be able to house um, all these people and everywhere was pretty booked out. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was seeming a little bit hard. We finally found one place, but it was quite mosquito infested. So I think for everyone's health, it was better we didn't go there in the end. Um, and the hotel owner was feeling really bad about this because uh, basically OJ was set on like a hotel property and we had the campsite just adjoined to that. And he was feeling really bad about this and he's like, oh, I have another hotel which was closed down. Um, uh, it was closed for the summer, I think, because he had been housing refugees in it. So um, he offered, I'll open up the other hotel and um, everyone who was gonna stay in tents can stay there. And so we ended up like organizing these buses and um, everyone came basically and was bused back and forth to this hotel. Um, and yeah, it was just incredible like how it all worked out and all within a day, like up, as people were arriving and I'm telling them their accommodation, I still didn't actually know what the plan was. So I was like, I think you're staying in this hotel room and basically I had no idea if we were ending up, like gonna end up setting up tents on that day or like, it was all just a little bit like, up until the last minute, we had no idea what was going on. Um, and so I think all I wanted to like say to you guys is, um, it ended up being really good because the next day after everyone arrived, it poured with rain. And I know that because I was still sleeping in a tent and I walk in, I'll just tell this story because it's funny. Well, I think it is. Um, and so I walk into my tent right at like three or 4 a.m. after getting everyone like sorted. And like, I just see my cousin Katie, who I happen to be in a tent with. And she, what she had done with the rain is um, pulled our mattresses into the middle and all of our stuff away from like, the rain wasn't coming in on the sides of tents. I don't know if you know how like, normally it's like the walls, but it was like coming in in different patches. And so she had like positioned our suitcases all around the patches of puddles and she hadn't brought any bedding with her. So she had a deflated air mattress pulled over the top of her and she was like curled into a ball in the middle of the room with like all this rain pouring down on her <laughs> deflated mattress <laughs> with like a tiny t-shirt covering her. <laughs> and then my sleeping bag was laid out next to her, which she had kept all nice for me to sleep on and that it was wet. So 
Anyways, all I'm saying is it was really, really good that um, we didn't have 350 people sleeping in soggy tents because spent like the next few days um, just like, you know, drying out all those tents and everything. So, um, yeah, I think God just knows best and he's just sovereign over everything. And that was something I just wanted to encourage you guys with is he's just, he has plans beyond anything we can plan. And um, yeah, I think we can just always trust him with the outcome of things and um, I think in a way, like some people might have viewed like the two weeks of planning I'd done as like wasted time because it ended up just being completely changed last minute. But I think in reality, like God is outside of time and he redeems time and he just knew better than like anything we could have been planning for. So, um, I hope that is encouraging to you. Thank you. See, the first time I see this from this vantage point, usually I look at you, you know, I look the other way, it's great. You know, what an experience. <laughs> uh, going to Greece, uh, the reason I decided I did not have any idea what's, what's going to be expected or, or what's going to happen, uh, but I went there because uh, I wanted to be part of church congregation, a privilege. So we went there and landing. In Thessaloniki, we, I said to Liza, what hotel? She said, what do you mean, what hotel? So we did not have a name, we didn't have an address of the hotel, but we know that we had a rental car booked because we booked it together. So no stress, we just went to the rental place and uh, came just in time when Stuart lost his A3 uh, Audi Q, you know, brand new, because he didn't have an international driver's license. But me with my 25-year-old or 35-year-old Austrian driver's license, I could pick up that car. <laughs> and someone to guide us to the hotel. So Ross, student, and I, we left uh, with two black SUVs and with one white SUV, and we looked really professional, sharp, honestly, when we came. <laughs> so, uh, but what, what really blew me away uh, throughout this is that uh, how people arrived, you know, uh, just the sheer number at the end with all the stress we had with accommodation, or you had with accommodation, we were about 400 people, uh, more than 60 cars, and uh, leaving in the morning was like you saw in the movie, uh, in, in, in regards to, you know, absolutely uh, amazing. And uh, I just was counting up the road toll we had to pay, uh, or, or which was paid on that day, was every day about a 1,000 euro on road toll. Uh, in total, I think we drove some 90,000 kilometers, and distributed 130,000 Bibles. And with this 90,000 kilometers, we had one accident. Uh, beside Viplesh, you know, the rest was paid by insurance, so not really that much of a damage, but everyone was safe. Uh, in regards to the, the distributing Bibles, I thought how that's going to happen. You drive in a village and then you say, okay, where am I gonna start? You have a house here, and then you see the next house somewhere far away. What's an economic efficient way uh, to distribute it? And uh, at the end of the day, every car has distributed about 250 to 350 Bibles, depending on how extended or expanded the, the village was. And uh, just what was involved in logistics, uh, the Bibles were stored in a warehouse. So you go there and you say, wow, you know, we have to distribute that. It's never going to end because you only can fit about 300, 350 Bibles in a car when you put some on the back seat as well. And uh, at the end, it was all achieved. Uh, and uh, this, but the, the real highlight, the climax of the whole thing was when towards the end, I saw the, the control center, how this was arranged, organized, prepared, and then efficient and, and, and absolutely professionally uh, uh, um, uh, executed. Absolutely incredible. And I, I think what, what, did, what did I get out of it? I, first of all, we all were given, or mankind was given a commission to go out there and spread the world, the good news, really, hope. And I think we, we did that very well. We, uh, I was actually the first one to distribute the Bible. We arrived in the village, Loki was in the car as well, and uh, while we stop and get out of the car, someone stops and says, what are you doing here? Thankfully, Loki speaks some Greek, actually quite good Greek, and we could sort it out. And he said, ah, we were just wondering because someone was to come, somebody was to come, and, uh, but not you. And I then distributed the first Bible across the fence. We, an elderly lady was sitting in the backyard with two vicious dogs. And that went very well. 
and uh, you know, not attacked, nothing. Uh, and uh, the visit to this village actually ended that there was one coffee house there uh, which allowed us to sit down and eat the lunch we brought with us. You know, not even putting any, any, any uh, uh, point that we have to buy something from them. And uh, we decided to leave two Bibles with them. And they were so grateful, they were just having their lunch because there were no other guests there, two sausages, and they wanted to, to actually share this with us. So this is how this one day ended. And uh, actually, it was a privilege to be part of it. I, I, feel, I feel great having done something for the Lord. Yes. Thanks, Joe. Um, each year, we've had lots of ex exciting... Um, Experiences, you know, priest trying to throw us out of the out of the town with a his mind and next to him with a pit bull on his shirt trying to intimidate us. Uh, that didn't happen this time, but there were some other good stories. But what I've came came out of this year for me was a confirmation that um, the value of a fellowship, um, whether we fellowshipping here uh, in our in our church, in our home, in our school or workplace. Um, the value of fellowship that comes out, the opportunities are there all the time. And I noticed there was a pattern over the last four years where, as a result of the fellowship, very, very close relationships developed. So if ever you wanted to, wanted to be, have a close relationship with someone you don't even know, uh, go on a missions trip, particularly to Greece. And uh, it, it just, God just chooses the people and then the, the fellowship develops. The first year was with Blair. In 2013, the second second year was with Heidi, the third year with a guy I spoke about last year, Aaliyah, and um, a an African girl who spoke Greek, who was our our Greek person, Esther. But this year there was three very strong fellowships, and taking nothing away from the other guys that were there with us, um, with um, uh, Lindsay and Michelle uh, from our team. Carl and I felt a very close relationship with them. And these were guys we knew of but didn't really know much about them or their personalities or, or, or themselves before we went away. And God blessed us with uh, a very, very close relationship. But there was a guy that, who was our uh, in Greek interpreter, a uh, little skinny little Greek guy. He was still at high school. And uh, God gave him and I a really special fellowship. And as I looked at it later, um, when Stewie reminded us, that Stewie's been reminding us about um, noticing, listening and sharing. And um, my story of Greece this time, apart from what I've just mentioned, is that um, Harris is his name, and uh, he and I were, were gelling quite well. But one day he came down from this long, long hill. Well, I didn't know it was a long hill, but came back to the car and said, look, I, I couldn't give a Bible to the house up the road because there's a dog there and it, it was scaring me. I said, oh, well, dog's a dog. And that's one house. I said, look, well, we won't worry about it. And he said, no, I really, I really want to go back there. So I said, oh, all right. And I knew the road was, looked skinny. It was, looked it was going to get skinnier. So off we went, we went up there, up this road, and it was going and going. I thought, I don't know how we walked this far, but and it was uphill and it was a long way. The road was getting narrower, and I think, I'm not going to be able to turn around here, and I'm on the opposite side of the road, I won't be able to reverse back. I'm getting anxious for Jeff. Anyway, we, we got to the house, and um, it wasn't a very big dog, um, and it wasn't barking or carrying on, and... Um, but he was still intimidated by it. And I said, well, look, I'll put the Bible down. And he said, no, 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 I need to do it. And um, I think because he walked up, it probably was more aggressive towards him. Anyway, he got out of the car and he put the Bible out and the dog was eyeing him off and walking around. And uh, he got back into the car and the relief and the joy that he had, that he'd, he had achieved uh, doing, putting this, the Bible out and, and confronting the dog and all of that. And... Uh, I, he said, oh, thanks, we did it, we did it. And I said, we didn't do it. I said, I drove here, you got out, you put it on the thing. He said, no. And he's hugging me and saying, we did it. So I just encourage you, if there's somebody in your life or today, tomorrow, next year, and you feel that they, by your noticing and listening, and you feel that 
they, I could, I could be of a, a benefit to this person for them and for God's glory. Take, the, make, make the effort. It would have been easy for me just to drive away and, and just not do that house. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, it was so important to him, and I've, you know, I, I, I went because I didn't want to disappoint him. Um, but I wish he was here today. He's a, a lovely guy, and um, hopefully we'll, well, not hopefully we're already communicating now. But there's so many souls out there that are just waiting for someone to come alongside them, and uh, even in, in, in our own family here. So keep on the lookout for each other. Uh, we all have a need at a certain time. Well, yeah, I've, um, I'm not sure who adopted who, but um, uh, as you learn, and um, his dad left him when he was 12. Um, yeah, he. He doesn't smile in photos, and he has a beautiful smile. Um, for some reason, he thinks he looks gawky, but that's the last thing that Carmela I thought. So we have got a photo with a smile and one without. Um, but yeah, even as I said, I really in, in trying to encourage you to don't even don't be looking, um, just be watching, and but um, uh, particularly in our own family. On Sunday here, or or at church, or in your workplace, there are so many of us that, that have a need to be uh, noticed and listened to, and then we'll be more than happy to uh, to share. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Thanks so much, Jeff. Give me a round of applause. Thanks, guys. We got a um, another another greeting as part of this bracket from the Hensons. Um, ready to go, Mark? Hello. Hello. We're in Hong Kong. We were in China last week, but we're back in Hong Kong this week, and we'll be leaving on Tuesday to arrive home Wednesday morning. There's a bit too much to tell you about Greece, so we'd rather do that when we get home. Lots and lots of stories to share, lots of adventures. God has been amazing, and uh, we're looking forward to getting home next week. So see you all next Sunday. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. It really is a privilege to... Um serve God overseas, but when you go with a team from your own church, there's something very, very special about that. I think that was what, as we look at the team gathered there in the Titania Hotel and, and, um, and just actually reminiscent of other teams in other years and just thinking what a privilege it is to serve together. But of course, it's not just the faces around that table. We were very, very aware. In fact, in one of our very first meetings, we, we thank the Lord for all of those who are praying for us while we're away. And so thank you for coming along tonight. Thank you for hearing these stories, rejoicing with us, and thank you um, for praying with us as well, those who are able to, to do that. We really do appreciate that. Um, I'd like to invite uh, Lockie, um, Liza, Michelle, come. I think that's everyone. Would you come up and, and um, have I missed anyone from the, from the team inadvertently? I don't think so. Oh, myself, with bits and pieces everywhere. You know, I, I get to speak all the time. Come and um, love, to, love to hear from, from you. You want to go first? Lockie's a veteran. How many right. OJs now, Lockie? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> There's that's a right. bunch of them. It's, uh, this was my... Fourth time to Greece, third time at OJ, um, which is actually ooh, ooh, it's a microphone. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of interesting because I think when you've been to a country on a mission trip that many times, it starts to lose a bit of its kind of like like doing something new excitement factor. So for me, it was it was very much yeah, I've been here like, and the food is very good, and the culture is uh, really um, quite quite good and the people are really nice um so it's a great great place but um it doesn't have that sort of uh exciting new feel to it i suppose when you're going there for a fourth time um so i really went with a bit of uh, a mindset of um hoping to to really be used by god and, and to have a, a real sense of purpose in going that was kind of the mindset that i had um but there were a number of things that that happens that were a little bit sort of unsettling sort of things that took me a bit out of my comfort zone um, nothing particularly panic inducing um, but right from the start for me like we traveled through Turkey um, and the day before we were set to leave uh, we wake up to news that the airport in Istanbul has been bombed we're about to fly through it so as um, right from the start sort of thinking oh that's not nice would have been cool if we had just been able to fly through 
and it was all nice and we get to Greece but um, and a number, a number of things like that happened. Uh, my phone uh, broke, um, had a run-in with the police at one point. Um, there was the, uh, the, the accommodation situation that, that Jay was talking about before. Um, and I, yeah, as I said, not uh, panic-inducing, but a little bit unsettling. Um, and I remember sitting in my hotel room um, partway through and... Um, just having a, a chat with God about this and sort of asking a question along the lines of, you know, you know what's, what's going on here? Am I really supposed to be here? This is kind of quite uncomfortable. Um, what, am I, what am I actually doing here? Um, which I think possibly some of us have asked it at various points in our life. Um, and I remember um, looking back um, and reflecting on what had been accomplished over the course of the, the operation. Um, and just thinking, really the thing that we went there to do, uh, the thing that we set out to do um, was accomplished. You know, we delivered uh, over, uh, over 120,000 Bibles. Um, and yeah, that's incredible. And, and just thinking, um, upon reflection, um, I think the misconception that I had was that going and serving God, um, perhaps I was looking for an indicator of uh, success based on the sort of the comfortability of, of going. And, you know, trusting in God means um, uh, expecting smooth and comfortable circumstances for the mission trip. But uh, learning that perhaps that's not really reality, but trusting in God um, means trusting that he's going to accomplish the things that he set out to accomplish um, and uh, going outside of the comfort zone is is something that, that perhaps um, we should come to expect I guess which is a really important lesson for me uh, I think as I look to um, potentially doing this kind of a thing long term um, yeah being ready to step out of the comfort zone I think was an important lesson yeah yeah, they had the coup. They had the coup. So they had the bomb on the way there and then they had the coup on the way back. But I, I think by that point I sort of went, oh, that's <laughs> uh, kind of <laughs> expected. Yeah. Who, yeah. who recommended Turkish Airlines to you? Yeah, they had a really good deal. <laughs> yeah, so saved a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was real good. Well, we can always say that uh, missions trips are very exciting. Good things happen. <laughs> um, over the years that we've been going, there's been there's many blessings. There's always blessings, even from the moment that, as a team, we arrive in Athens and we group together at the Titania. And um, over those days of orientation, gelling together and spending time together and getting to know each other, then arriving at camp and the blessings that come um, as a group, you know, over 400 of us this time, and individually, you know, working together as a team, getting to know um, friends that we've known now for four years. And um, as we go out on the road, the blessings that come um, as a result of that too. So God is continuously uh, blessing us all along the way. Um, just the privilege of being able to be there and uh, to be God's feet and hands and mouthpiece um, is an absolute blessing. And uh, Jeff and I and our team uh, spent the majority of our time in the little villages. We did do a few of the larger towns, but the majority of our, our time were in the tiny little villages. And this one particular day, um, we were travelling up to probably about 20 minutes away from the Albanian border. So we travelled for probably an hour and a half to two hours to get to the villages that we were going to um, distribute the Bibles to. Anyhow, on our um, brochure distribution booklet that we had that morning, this town had, I think it was about seven or eight Bibles to be distributed, so we knew it was a tiny town. But as we drove up the mountain and we saw the farmhouses that were there but were now rubble, a lot of them were rubble, and no one to be seen inside, the places were empty. Anyhow, we continued on through the village and around these tiny little roads and still couldn't find anybody. There were just a lot of um, houses that had been um, 
left and were now overgrown and a lot of them had fallen apart, so there were just ruins there. And as we're driving along, I'm thinking, oh, golly, well, this was a waste of time, wasn't it? Because I'm thinking of the precious time that we could be dropping Bibles. But obviously God knew better. So we got a call from our buddy car that said they were at the bottom of the mountain and their car had broken down. Could we come and help them? So we decided to try and find a road to turn the car around and head back down the mountain to help them. And as we did, we found this very, very narrow little road that we thought we could get in, get around and turn the car around. And as we went down that area, which was very isolated, here's this little old man standing at his front of his house, which was almost tumble down too, holding onto his front fence post, standing there bent over, and we spotted him as we started to turn the car. Anyhow, Steve that was with us said, I'll jump out, I'll take a Bible, I'll go and talk to him. Anyhow, we turned the car around and we waited for a little while for Steve to come back and we could see this conversation going on with this little old man at the fence. And Steve jumped in the car and he said he and his wife had not seen anyone for weeks, let alone speak to anybody. And it hit me as we drove down that mountain to help our buddy car, I thought, you know, how many times do we say, God knows every hair on our head. He knows us intimately. He knows every detail about us. He wants a personal relationship with each and every one of us. And we say that, but do we believe it? And I thought, God bless that man that day and his wife. We went there for him. There were no others there and we distributed no other Bibles in that little town. But that man and his wife were so important to God. And I came down that mountainside absolutely elated and thinking, I am blessed out of my socks to have been a part of that. And that's the blessings that we have. It was a privilege. Um, well, the story that I want to share is actually not from OJ itself, but from the time that we spent in Athens. So on one of the nights we were there, we went to um, a local place and did participate in what was called the Love Meals, which is another one of Hellenic Ministries' ministries. Um, and they run that about twice a week, providing meals for the refugees in Athens. Um, and as we were standing there listening to the things that they do through the Love Meals, I just remember being so struck by the love and passion that's behind Hellenic Ministries and down to the last detail of the fact that they would even go out of their way to find somebody from the refugees' own culture to cook food for them so that it would be like a taste of home. Um, and I guess I was really convicted at that point of times in the past where I've gone on mission trips and just been so focused on myself and so focused on how many people can I convert or share the gospel with or pray for um, and just being struck again by how much it is out of love that Jesus um, would talk to people, that Jesus even died for us. Um, and so in that moment, I prayed that God would give me a love for the Greek people. Um, and as I was sitting listening to one of the staff of Hellenic Ministries um, give a short talk to the refugees, God just really highlighted this one lady to me who was sitting down by one of the tables. Um, and so throughout the meal, as we were going around serving, I had the incredible opportunity to sit down with this lady and to listen to her heartbreaking story of her journey um, across from Afghanistan and how her son had been left behind and she had no idea where he was or what had happened to him and we were able to cry together and just share that moment um, and afterwards I was given the incredible opportunity to pray for this lady um, and I guess for me in that moment it was just a real reminder that I don't go on mission because the pastor tells me it's a good thing or because um, we have this impression that evangelical Christians are somehow the best Christians or we just, you know, if we can pray for someone, it's such an achievement. Um, but just a reminder that the heart behind mission is just an incredible 
love for these people and a love for Jesus that enables us to want to share with them the hope and the healing and the salvation that we know in Jesus Christ. Um, and so I guess as I come back to Australia and try to live a missional life here, I'm reminded by God day by day that being on mission is not about me, but it's about Jesus and for Jesus' sake and for the person who's standing right in front of me for their sake because they have a broken relationship with God that God really wants to restore and to bring his life and his freedom and healing into. Um, and so I guess that was a massive thing that I took away from OJ and I'm so glad I had that experience and that moment for God to teach me that and to place that on my heart. Um, I um, I realized in, in in Greece again the 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 truth of God's words and um, especially His words that um, in Isaiah that His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and um, and also Romans eight twenty eight that all things work together for good for those who uh, love Him and accord according to His purposes. Um, we were on day three uh, of our Bible distribution, and as you've gathered, Max was a uh, driver, and I was the co-pilot, so I was really the important one because I had Google Maps. <laughs> um, yeah, we distributed Bibles throughout the day, and it was hot, and you know, you get in and out of the car, and um, outside it's hot, in the car it's cold, and so forth, and uh, I realized that Max uh, got increasingly unwell on that day, and uh, a scratchy voice, and uh, he started coughing, and so forth, so I was a bit worried about him, and uh, true enough, at the end of the day, he was feeling totally under the weather and unwell. And um, I started to worry what would happen on the next day because uh, if our car was stationary, what would happen with the team and all these things. So I prayed fervently and I prayed for Max that he would recover. Um, and in the morning when, when uh, I woke up really early, I, I didn't even sleep well, I woke up early and I looked at him and he was truly miserable. There was just no chance that he would get out of bed. Um, so I, um, I was really, um, really worried because I thought, man, um, how am I going to let everyone know and, and what is happening with, with the people? Have they, do they have to stay back uh, in, uh, at camp because uh, we are not going out? And yeah, I, 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 I prayed again and, and, and said, Lord, I, I can only give the, all that in, into your hands and you need to help me to, to sort that out. Um, and then I tried to text uh, dispatch at the other hotel um, and I didn't get a, a, an, an answer back because it, it was ob obviously too early for them to, um, to be in the office. So I had breakfast uh, quickly downstairs and, and again I had this knot in my stomach and I thought I have to sort that out as quick as possible. So I, um, I, I, walked out, I decided to walk over to, to the other hotel, which was a, a pathway along the beach, beautiful, beautiful walk in the morning. Um, and uh, and I, again, I prayed, I was walking and, and talking to God. And when I saw uh, someone coming out of the water, and I thought, an angel? No! I looked closer, it was Jonathan McCreese, even better. <laughs> and um, I sped up to kind of uh, reach him as he was walking out of the water and quickly back to the hotel. He had an early morning swim, obviously. Uh, and yeah, I was speeding up, but then I saw that people were coming towards him from the other side of the path, and he stopped and started talking to them. And I had purposed in my heart that um, if I can't go out, I will definitely join the intercessors team because that seemed very appealing to me um, for that day. Anyway, I, I reached Jonathan and those uh, two people and I said, Jonathan, you're exactly the man I need. Uh, what can I do? How, where, where do I go from here with, with my news that Max is in bed? And he 
graciously took out a, a pad and, and, and a pencil in, in a little bag that he was carrying and he said just give me the names of, of the of the um, of your team in the car and I I will be going out today myself so there will be enough room in the cars to to get everyone onto the road and I I thought oh, thank you Lord thank you Lord and then he introduced me to, to those two people who he had stopped and, and talked with and it turned out that they were part of the intercessors team so I said great where do I need to go and, and what do I need to do to join you guys? And they told me exactly where I had to go. And everything was sorted out. It was basically with this one encounter, all my worries just disintegrated. And I, I, I praise the Lord for that. Um, and then when, when I joined them, I realized the, the, uh, the, that incredible um, work they they did in the background, you know, they had the chairs um, out next to the dispatch, which was where the Bibles were uh, being distributed and where um, the cars left. And we started praying even before the cars left and as the cars left for each driver by name and for each member in, in that car. And, and we were just, um, you know, praying for safety and, and this and that. And as we were going along, I just realized all of a sudden that I had found the place where I, where I belonged. It felt like, man, God, you have put me where I really belong. It, it was such an overwhelming feeling of joy. And I enjoyed that day so much. And of course, I stayed with them the, the day after and only left to get Max's antibiotics <laughs> and then came back. So yeah, it was a, a real joy. And uh, what I'm bringing home is a new um, fervency for also for intercession because I prayed with those older ladies. I felt like a spring chicken among them, but, <laughs> but their spiritual authority was just incredible. And you know, one was um, Jonathan McCree's mom and the other one, uh, Jonathan's wife, Miriam's mom. And the third one was the mother of one of the ex-captains from the Doulos. Yes. And, um, and uh, uh, then there was a, a pastor from, from Athens and uh, his wife. And I was just enjoying myself and learning from them a new level of intercession. So that is something that I have brought home. And I thought this old lady, you know, with her walking stick outside, we are becoming older and frailer, but inside we can really become like lions and like generals. And I had the feeling when she was stomping with her walking stick as she was praying, I was thinking <laughs> the forces of darkness were shuddering. <laughs> Thanks so much, Laura. Thanks, guys. Good to have a seat. Thank you. Yeah, they're, they're, don't, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, the ideas, um, those ladies in that intercession team, um, yeah, just, just so, so wonderful. Well, we, we had, um, um, I'll just share, share one, one quick, quick story with you. Very, very much uh, appreciate your prayer. You know, it was, was sometimes in, in funny times, and maybe in heaven we'll be able to, to just work out the whole timing of it. But um, um, Bron um, is um, not, not in, blessed entirely with an accurate GPS system. Um, so, for instance, uh, she and Heather are in Athens, Athens Airport, and um, before the flight decided that they would uh, just go check out the, the comfort rooms and see if they were comfortable, and, and uh, so they walked, walked in there, and then uh, as they're chatting and walking out together, they um, open a door and enter into the closet. Um, and uh, so just were having trouble finding their way, way out and, and back. So um, I, I guess it's not that surprising that in a, in a, in a large city that sometimes there were going to be losses. And um, on this, this one occasion, I had, um, uh, we were, Bron was in the car, and on this one occasion, she uh, had, along with um, um, Diana, uh, a dear, dear wife of a, a pastor over in the States who was possibly on his knees at that time, um, they, had, they had found themselves um, walking the, the wrong way down a street. Um, I think it was, it was kind of a strange streets and so forth, but they were supposed to take a left and a left and meet me around the corner, but they took a left and a right, and, 
And uh, I did several laps around one-way streets. I just could not find them. And um, eventually, Bron um, um, broke our little little rule to not use her her phone with the Australian SIM card in it. She decided if there's an emergency, this is an emergency. And she said, "I'm near um, I'm near that cafe we we passed earlier this morning." And she described it. It had a tree. And, um, and I take notice of cafes. And so I, I kind of thought, okay, I know where you are. And uh, I looked at the map and just my estimation, um, she, she sort of didn't have a street or anything like that, but my estimation was she was, she was way over several, several blocks away in, a, in another whole area. Um, and so trusty Google with us one-way streets said it will take 20 minutes to reach my destination um, by doing an entire, entire uh, uh, circumference of the city or something. But we found our way, our way down some one-way streets and, and so forth and, and finally was, was able to, to see, see the cafe. I knew I was coming up the right street, saw the cafe over there with the tree and, and uh, was able to find Bron and, Bron and Diane. But it could have been a very, very different, different result. And it was just in little things like that that we realized and appreciated the, the prayer, the constant intercession that was, was going, going up. Um, and I guess it, in those subtle little times, and maybe, maybe in the past few weeks you've found yourself um, in, a, in a situation, and this is where I'll finish by just tying it back to, to what we've been focusing on a little bit here at EBC. And do you remember... We're doing our Abide series. We talked about E being an envoy of grace. We, we looked at what grace, grace actually means. And then, then this whole idea of being an ambassador, uh, ministers of reconciliation, and, and what does it mean to be an envoy of grace? And, and uh, we explored that, um, and we, we had three words, to, you know, uh, looking at John 4 and Jesus um, ministering to the Samaritan woman. We looked at the importance of noticing people. We looked at the importance of of listening to them, and then, and Jeff said this before, and then we, we looked at um, listening to the Lord for opportunities to share. And really, you know, whether you happen to be in, in, in Greece or some rural little village, or whether you happen to be tomorrow, um, where does tomorrow morning place you? Well, wherever that is, it's the same. Notice, listen, share. Notice, listen, share. Trust God to, to lead you. Um, one particular city, we had endeavoured to go up a up a little street, and and an irate lady was in a very very wealthy house um, was was just yelling at us irrationally, and we were actually the ladies at that time. So I thought, all right, you know, I'll I'll tackle this one. So I got out of the car and and um, probably. Um, believing too much in my, in my skill at negotiation and being able to de-escalate a situation. I spoke in lovely moderate tones and, and attempted to reason with this lady, but for reasons that I still to this day don't know whether to put down to, to something demonic, some sort of a religious spirit or mental illness, I do not know, to be quite honest, but it was irrational behavior. And, uh, and in the end, you know, the words actually came to mind, shake the dust off your feet, Stuart. And I thought, well, I won't physically do that, but, but yeah, I think, it's, I think it's time to just let it go. And uh, I just had a nudge, notice, listen, share. I just had a, had a nudge to, to disregard her ranting and raving, not be, not be put off by that, and walk over to the neighbour, who was a bit embarrassed, I think, to be quite honest, about the whole situation. And I walked over, and do you ever have those situations where you just don't have the right words? Well, this was one of them. I walked over, and I had a bag, and I said, would you like one? Now, I, I quite thought that she would, she would reject it so that she could keep relationship with the, the ranting, raving neighbor. But she looked at me, and she, she looked at the bag, and she said, I'm Muslim. And I looked at her, and I thought, that was not the response that I was expecting here in Greece. But she was probably Eastern European, so I quickly did the math and thought, oh yeah, okay, ah. And I just, there was nothing, blank, just, hmm, okay, have a lovely day. And uh, right, wrapped up my little Bible, and I thought, well, that street's just a write-off, isn't it? Um, and uh, we hopped in the car, drove, drove away. God had my attention, but again, I just felt like I missed my moment. You know, there, there was something I should have done, something I should have said, but what? 
Anyway, we, we drove around, and this was a funny little town where often we couldn't get the car up certain, certain streets. That's another story, ask me about it. But, but uh, I had to pull up on the main road with um, um, uh, another good, good friend, Jonathan Zachariah, who's a pastor in California. And, and uh, I pulled up there, and the teams had, had taken Bibles from us, and they'd headed, headed inland. Anyways, I told Jonathan about this situation, and he said, yeah, funny town. It's, it's like they love you or hate you. And, and uh, he said, and I said, oh, yeah, well, there was this other lady. He was a surprise. And, and she said, I'm Muslim. He said, really? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, I've got a, I've got a Bible in, in um, I can't remember if it was Arabic, Persian. I can't remember. But he, but he said, it's, it's especially for Muslims. It looks exactly like the Quran. I said, really? He said, yeah, yeah, I just happen to have five of them. And he grabbed one out and he said, hey, we're just, just waiting for the others to come back. Do you want to run it back? And I thought about the ranting, raving lady in the street. And I thought, no, I don't want to go back, um, particularly by, my, by myself. But you know what? And, and of course, notice, listen. Sometimes we're not listening to the person, but we're listening to the Lord. Sometimes it's listening to the Lord through a person. Sometimes just listening to the Lord. I thought, I think I should do this. So I, so I said, all right, well, thank you. And I, and I looked at this, and, and sure enough, it, you know, you open it the wrong, what we would refer to the wrong way, and, and it's, it's actually even got the, in terms of the, the same sort of um, um, uh, meter as the Quran, it, it reads in, in terms of the way that it's, it's written, the translation um, will read a little bit like the Quran reads. And, and, um, and, and so Jonathan is it's really, really good. So I, so I grabbed it, and I drove all the way back, and it took... Again, one-way streets. It took a while to find this street again. And, and then I prayed, Lord, I would really love to be able to, to drop this Bible at this house, but I'm going to need you to sort of intervene here. So that other lady is there. She's going to take the Bible. It's going to be, and here I am by myself too. And, and, and so, I, so I drove up the street very quietly and, and uh, left the car running and looked around and nothing. Oh, this is a good start. I hopped out, went around the back. I, I slipped the, um, the Greek Greek Bible out, and then and I, I put this put this other one in, wrapped it up, had a level look around. No one went up to the house to see if the lady was there. Um, no one, and I thought this is perfect. So I just popped it sort of out of sight, just down on the on the step there, and uh, was able to hop back in the car and and drive off again. Now I won't know the other part of that story for 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 some years. That is when we get to heaven and I get to ask God about that and say, I was trying to notice, I was trying to listen, I was trying to, to share, and um, Lord, how did it go? And sometimes we don't know the whole story. But, but let me reassure you, little moments like that where sometimes you might write off a situation think, well, I really don't know what good that was. I really don't know if the Lord was able to use those efforts. I really don't know if that, that remark was helpful. But God uses, I believe, all of those little contributions as part of his plan to, to reach those who are lost. For it is his desire that, that none should be lost, that none should perish. That's the heart of God. And as we cooperate in his mission to the world, um, he will use all of those little efforts. You just need to pause and believe that he wants to use you, will use you. Pray to that end. Notice people. Listen to them where you have an opportunity. Listen to God. And where you can, share the hope that you have within you. Well, I trust that you've been encouraged, even as we've come back encouraged. We've been able to see a little bit of what God is doing all around the world. That was just a short-term mission. Really, um, it will take long-term missionaries to go back into many of these places to be able to effectively learn language, can um, understand the contextual issues and to be able to share the gospel. And uh, many, many more of us are, um, are better aware and now of what, what that means and why it is that we support all of those folk there and those, those posters out there and hopefully how to pray for them too um, as, as they serve overseas. Um, let me pray. Band will come up and we'll, we'll finish, finish with a song. Heavenly Father, we, we do want to thank you again for the opportunity that we've just had at Eltham Baptist Church to send some from, some from our, our team here a little bit further afield than, than normal. We thank you for the stories we've shared tonight and, 
And we've been um, just so privileged, Lord, to join you in your mission to the world. And it wasn't just there in Greece, and it wasn't just a month ago, but it's tomorrow and the next day and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. It's, it's tomorrow morning, wherever it is that you have us, that, that once again we are a sent people. And that we, we believe you long to use us to reach a hurting world. Would you help us to connect with the people who are most hurting and most ready, most ripe to hear the gospel? And it might surprise us, Lord. It might be people who normally are cynical and flippant and, and who would never stop and have a deep conversation, but circumstances in their life for some reason or another have just radically changed. And guess what? They're open. We want to be there in those moments, Father, ready to be used by you. Tomorrow and the next day and the next day, as we all go out from here as your missionaries, your ambassadors, your envoys of grace, would you please use us to that end? Would you help us to notice the little people, the people that nobody else is noticing? Oh, Lord, would you give us listening ears and somehow make space and time for that to happen? And would you grant us the grace to know how to sensitively share the good news, the hope that we have within. Use us, we pray, for the sake of your glory and your name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.